What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 40th episode of The Roundabout, celebrating 15 years of the Xbox 360. My name is Ryan Turford, and this is the show where we're counting down the months to the 15-year anniversary of the Xbox 360 with 50 of the best games to play on the console for both new and experienced owners. We dive into the brief history of each game and talk about what makes them awesome. As always, we'd love your feedback on this show over on Twitter at the Xbox Drive, or you can reach out to me directly anytime at Ryan Turford. On this week's episode, we take to the streets of Toronto in Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, The Game, released on August 10th, 2010. Released to coincide with the movie of the same name, the game is actually based off the comic book of the same name that had its final volume release a month prior. After being delisted from Xbox Live back in 2014, and the movie starting to become a cult hit around this time, there's a certain level of mystique that's built around this game to the point where there are consoles preloaded with the game that command a high price on eBay currently. While there's a certain degree of hype that's generated from any game that's delisted, Scott Pilgrim's is justified, and it's not only one of my favorite licensed games of all time, it's also my personal favorite Xbox Live title of all time. And here's the thing. Putting together the list for the roundabout, as Sean's kind of alluded to, it's been no easy task. I mean, Scott Pilgrim, uh, Braid, and Patman Championship Edition DX, all three of those games really are games that really could have been in any order on this list, I think, and I probably would have felt comfortable with it. Um, all three of them were amazing games for completely different reasons. And I think looking back on things, and I didn't certainly didn't plan it this way. It just happened to be like when I was planning the list for the roundabout, I actually just thought about what my 50 favorite games on the console were, put them in a li in order that I felt felt was comfortable and didn't really tinker with it too much. Um, with the exception of course, re replaying the games for obviously making sure that the games still hold up and then kind of adjusting the, the order in that regard. Um, and I think that these three games in particular really kind of represent the three pillars of what, Xbox Live Arcade was all about because you had games like Braid, which were smaller indie titles that really flourished on this platform. And it really gave a platform to developers who weren't large AAA developers to have a space um, in, in the mindset of gamers on the 360. So we had that angle. We also had uh, with Championship Edition DX in particular, the revival of a long dormant arcade franchise, um, which we saw a ton of on on 360 through uh, Xbox Live Arcade as well, um, with just games either being remade or redone or just getting reboots of older classic arcade games because the spirit of Xbox Live Arcade really just came down to the want to actually put older arcade games on the console. Um, that's what it started out with uh, back on the original Xbox when Live Arcade first started, and then it really just morphed into its own marketplace on 360. And it all started with just old school arcade games that are just that were ported to Xbox and played that way. And we saw a lot of amazing arcade ports on 360 with stuff like uh, Dungeons and Dragons Chronicles of Mystera to uh, the Simpsons arcade game to Turtles in Time all kinds of amazing arcade re-releases and uh, reboots. Uh, we also saw remasters of classic games like uh, Bionic Commando Rearmed and so many amazing arcade games returning to the service. And really that that was kind of the pillar that um, Championship kind of represents. And then Scott Pilgrim in particular was something new that we saw on this type of service that has become much more popular today, which was um, Scott Pilgrim in a, in a lot of ways is kind of like a new arcade game. Like basically if arcades were still around today, 
Scott Pilgrim would be an arcade machine that you would go to an arcade and play like and, and it'd be like one of the most popular games there, probably because it's it's a ton of fun to play. Um, and it reminded me so much of new arcade games that we got in the 90s when I was going to arcades all the time and picking up playing games like The Simpsons with my brother or X-Men, the arcade game and stuff like that, like licensed arcade machines. Um, and really, Scott Pilgrim felt like a new arcade game, a, like a new machine that would probably be released and in arcades and playing that way. And I think that we got, saw a ton of these types of games on Xbox live arcade as well. And that was really the third pillar, I think. So I think just unconsciously I put them together in this way, but uh, ultimately I think that that is one of the, what uh, makes Xbox live arcade so special is that we really had these three different types of experiences really rise to the top of the service. And I think that, Looking back on the service, um, they might not critically be the the top three games, but I personally think they're probably the three most fun games on on the service today, especially when you uh, think about uh, replayability as well today. Um, These are the three games I always come back to time and time again. Uh, There are three games that actually I have never left my 360s hard drive ever since I picked them up. So I do think that um, there is a lot of merit to that. And I think they're a ton of fun. And I think that ultimately, if you're a new 360 owner and you want to know the three games on Xbox Live Arcade that you should definitely check out, Scott Pilgrim, Braid, Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, that will give you not only three amazingly fun games to check out, but also just let you experience the three different styles of games that you found really uh, that were super popular on the service. Now, for those that haven't played it, the story of the game is very similar to the story in the comics. Scott Pilgrim is dating a girl named Ramona Flowers. However, in order to, for them to continue dating, Scott must defeat Ramona's seven evil exes and their band of goons. The game hits on almost every major moment from the comic and plays out in little quick cutscenes or in-game events. You're not really get overburdened with story or anything like that. Like the story just plays out very quickly in like, five second or 10 second cutscenes for the most part. It's the type of thing that hits on all the right notes for anyone who's seen the movie or read the comic, but for those that haven't, it keeps things very simpler and it does not bog you down with a story or anything like that. I know this goes back to something Sean and I were talking about when we were talking about Dragon Ball Z Kakarot because um, he likes the Dragon Ball property, but I know Sean thought it was overly bogged down, not only from from in-game text telling you um, all the different things in the game, but also the story kind of bogs you down a little bit, um, especially because it comes up with a bunch of filler content as well. Um, and it, it, the bigger moments in that game really felt true to that license, but a lot of the filler content just kind of felt out of place. Uh, whereas in a game like this, that's very lean and it, it's a very tight experience. You don't really have that problem at all. It, it tells you the story for the most part, but it's mostly through its gameplay or mostly through things in the background, or again, the very, small snippets of uh, cinematic that you get for the most part. Like it's very much, again, a, a classic arcade game style in that way where it just very loosely tells you the story. And I think for someone who isn't really invested in that franchise, I think that goes a long way because um, it gets you introduced to the world in a very cursory way. But it, at the same time, it doesn't you try and retell the entire story or anything like that in the course of a very short game. The game also features a ton of Easter eggs and references both to 
the people and events of the comic, as well as other video games. And especially when you consider the source material, because Scott Pilgrim itself um, in the comic book is actually very referential. Uh, Edgar Wright also tried to do a lot of this in the movie as well, um, and really references a ton uh, of different things in pop culture, mostly video games. But for the most part, uh, it referenced anime as well as a bunch of other things. And the game has a lot of those same references in it. And again, just it feels like a love letter to to uh, Brian Lee O'Malley's uh, graphic novel. And it really comes across in, in the all the environments of the game and stuff like that, um, which, again, for me as a Scott Pilgrim super fan who loves the, the comic uh, a ton, um, it's a it's a home run for me as far as uh, all of the, the little references and Easter eggs they put in. As a 2D brawler, Scott Pilgrim's main strength come from, comes from its pick-up-and-play gameplay. You and up to three friends can pick from Scott, Ramona, Kim, and Steven in four-player couch co-op with online co-op that was added in a later patch. You also got two DLC characters in the form of Wallace Wells and Knives Chow, each with their own additional levels and content um, that uh, eventually got delisted along with the game, but it is coming in the complete edition of the game, which we'll, we'll touch on later in the episode. The game plays similarly to River City Ransom. You select levels from an overhead map, similar to games like Super Mario Bros. 3. As your chosen character, you'll earn XP and level up to deal additional damage, as well as learning new moves that you can use. You'll also earn money allowing you to buy healing items, as well as other useful items to help you along the way. The game is a ton of fun to play with tight controls, interesting enemies, and epic boss fights that will have you and your friends saying, just one more level. It's highly addictive, and again, I just remember when this first game first came out, uh, me and my friends would just come over, like, my friends would come over all the time. We played a ton of this game, and uh, yeah, it was so much fun. It is a little bit difficult, especially if you're playing by yourself, um, but it's still super satisfying and a ton of fun to play. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a great couch co-op game. For those that are looking for a couch co-op game uh, to play with their friends or their family, uh, but also the online co-op was also a lot of fun as well. It worked really well uh, until the servers got shut down. Unfortunately, it doesn't actually work anymore. Again, I still have the game preloaded on my 360 um, and will probably, again, never be uninstalled. Um, and uh, unfortunately, online co-op doesn't work anymore, but you can still play with friends and it's still a ton of fun uh, that way. And again, it is beatable if you are playing by yourself, but in, in classic brawler fashion, of course, uh, it is pretty difficult to do by yourself. Visually, Scott Pilgrim looked awesome when it first released, and it really stands the test of time. Its fusion of pixel art and the comic's art style creates a visual feast for the eyes that captures the look of Brian Lee O'Malley's comic. The music in Scott Pilgrim is also incredible as well. It's composed entirely by Ama Namaguchi. The chiptune soundtrack that they created complements the game in such a great way, and it really feels, again, like it's a, a modern arcade game um, in particular, and, and the, the tunes are, are super upbeat and awesome, and that I still listen to that soundtrack to this day, um, and actually, I discovered uh, Amanabaguchi through the soundtrack as well. They're a group that I really didn't know anything about um, until this game came out. And now uh, I love their music. It's awesome to go listen to them now on Spotify. Um, and I love their music. And uh, it all really stemmed from this game. Like, I didn't really know anything about them. And uh, that's one of the things I loved. I love discovering new music through games. Um, Tony Hawk, for example, is a great example of this, of third, discovering so many new, amazing artists through, through those games. And uh, again, through Scott Pilgrim, again, having one one artist really do the entire soundtrack and then doing an amazing job with it again just totally turned me on to their, their style of music. So how well does Scott Pilgrim hold up today? Ten years later, the game still looks and plays just as well as it did when I first played it. 
especially with the rise in popularity of beat-em-ups today, it'd be easy for some of the modern designs of newer games like Streets of Rage 4 and River City Girls to overshadow it, but Skull Pilgrim still feels fresh and unique even today. It's also still a blast to pick up and play with some of your friends, and it really represents all of the things I loved about Xbox Live Arcade as a service. If you're looking to pick up Scott Pilgrim vs. The World today, well, there's not really currently a way for you to do that right this second. However, funny enough, and again, I did not plan this at all. Like, I had the the order for this list decided like eight months ago. Um, I haven't really changed it around or anything like that. Ubisoft this week actually just announced that the game will be coming back in the form of Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game complete edition, which will launch later this year on Xbox One. So now everyone will be finally able to check out this amazing title on all your consoles and it'll be playable on series x as well and i'm so happy to, that people are going to get a chance to revisit this game um i actually didn't pick up the the wallace dlc pack it was actually delisted before i was able to pick it up so um, i'm gonna actually gonna be playing that for the very first time with the complete edition which i fully uh, intend to pick up when it comes out um and it's so cool that ubisoft finally decided to to bring back the this game um i know brian in particular had been wanting to bring back this game for forever uh, especially because people would just not shut up about it um and it's so cool to finally have this title back especially like the game preservationist in me uh sees this as a total win um even if this doesn't come to f physical like i really hope that there is a physical edition of this because i would imagine that this is a game that's not going to stick around forever definitely if you want to pick up a copy of this game I would definitely pick it up when the complete edition comes out because um, you never know when the license will run out again um, because the, a lot of the licensing actually wasn't with Brian, but it was more so between Ubisoft and uh, Universal um, as this was uh, published in, in tandem with the movie. Um, so obviously a, a lot of that comes down to the movie licensing. Um, so it, it will probably get delisted eventually as well. Uh, it'll live as part of your library forever and it'll always be redownable, but uh, it's one of those things where uh, if you do want a copy of this game, you are going to want to pick it up when the complete edition comes around. That's all for this episode of The Roundabout. You can hit me up on Twitter anytime at Ryan Turford. You can also find the pantsman himself, Sean Capri, on Twitter at Sean Capri, or us on Twitter at The Xbox Drive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Roundabout, and we out. Bye!